Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Monday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on SNR for the next two hours. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, a decade of NFL playing experience between the two of us and a whole bunch to get to between the two of us. Arthur Motes. (laughs) Uh, Where do we start today? You know what? It's the beginning of the week. Yep. Or... Was just at the beginning of the week. That's neither here nor there. I guess there, it depends right? on your just your personal opinion, yeah. right? Like like it's Sunday a part of last weekend or it's Sunday the, the new week. week. I don't really know, but either way, let's set the tone right. Let's start with something positive, and that positivity is sports. We're back this weekend. Shout out to the Pirates. Woo. Let's go Bucks. Woo. Have my hat on, baby, because they got that dub. They're sitting there with one and two right now, man. But the win that they did have, it looked great. It hey, was, they won. Yeah, they won their last game. Yeah, that's all that matters. And you know, they say you're only as good as your last performance. Listen, they're on a win streak right now. That's right. Their last performance was a W. Yeah, and if I would have told you that they'll be playing baseball in the end of July and still competing at a very high level <laughs> in the playoff race right now, <laughs> you would take that, man. So glass half full, baby. All right. <laughs> so, that's you and Adam. That's a you know Adam Crowley tweeted, "Oh well, you all would have taken it in late July. The Pirates are <laughs> one game out of the division hey, lead." Man. I said, Come on, uh, man. I'm just throwing it out there, man. Glass half full. Keep the optimism high. So we got that. We also had the WNBA. Shout out to the WNBA, man. They started their season. They had games going on this weekend, man. So it was mm-hmm. awesome to see them in terms of being in the – they call theirs the Wubble. Women's Not, bubble? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so, so they were in the Wubble. They had games there. this weekend. So that was really good to see that as well, man. And uh, what NBA is starting up this weekend as well – or this week. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, man. The scrimmages were good. And so far from a testing standpoint – Everybody's been good. Um, they've only had a couple of people that have had to have additional quarantine. Shout out to my dog Lou Will, yeah. and, and you know <laughs> the, the chicken wings that he was trying to get. Yeah, those chicken wings are good. Yeah, that's what they say. So you know, other than that though, man, it's been a lot of positivity surrounding baseball and basketball this weekend. Now, granted, things changed a little bit yeah. as of this morning, but we're not there just yet. We're still basking in the positivity of live sports being back. I know for me personally, man. I hardly watch regular season baseball, but I was actually right. watching. I I watched the Pirates a little bit. But I really watched the Yankees. I know you did. I was watching. The I know. I ain't gonna lie to you. And it was <laughs> awesome seeing it. I I, I even love the cardboard box, the cardboard like cutouts of the people. At first, it threw me off. I'm like, is this an old game? That I looked. I said, oh, right. this person hasn't stopped smiling, or this person's like hand is stuck there. I was like, okay. And then they pan out into like the outfield, and then oh, it's no no fans over there. So I was like, all right, I see what y'all are doing here. But it was cool, man, to see just the optics of what it looks like with the cardboard fans. And they had constant uh, – it was like a, a lower-level crowd noise that was just constantly going. I was, I was a little surprised because I said in baseball, I've been to games. They don't cheer the whole time like that. But they they, they had the fans doing it. Just, so it was a pretty cool and unique scene. Now, with basketball, it seemed more of the summer league vibe watching those games because they didn't have right. fans it wasn't loud there and you hear the PA like anytime I'm hearing the PA announcer I'm like man this <laughs> this is not different. good like this is quiet 
a little different. But but overall, man, I was very impressed with, you know, just seeing sports come back. And like I said, it was just a positive vibe, regardless of how serious we took it. Because like I said, with the basketball, WNBA I was able to get in. It looked more competitive. The the men's side, the NBA, it just no, it gave me summer league vibes yeah. heavily. So yeah. yeah. That's how it's been, you know, watching so I've watched some of these, you know, the Penguins. They've had their yeah. inner squad scrimmages, and they've been streaming that on Facebook and YouTube. Mm. I mean, it's hockey, but it's not hockey, yeah. right? Like, you know, Zach Aston Reese isn't going to finish his check full speed at Evgeny yeah. Malkin in an inner squad scrimmage, yeah. you know? Well, see, the thing was, when I looked at the NBA, man, like, it was cool to see, like, a James Harden on the court going to work, but the intensity level, it just it's didn't a little off. That's seem. the difference. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like I said, with the WNBA, I think – more so, too, because of their brand. They know that they can't go out there half-cocked or not taking the game to that level right, because right. they know all eyes are on them. So their intensity was, I mean, from the start, was crazy high. It, and I felt like the product looked a lot better. Whereas with the NBA, with some of the bigger stars, I mean, even LeBron, like he had some times where he looked really good, and it was sometimes like he's just kind of chilling, like just, just kind of going through it. Yeah, he's just coasting. Yes, yeah, so I, I, it, it made me feel – uh, like I said, that added to the whole summer league vibe yeah. that I wasn't really a fan of. No, I hear you on that. It was uh, and baseball looked like baseball. I couldn't tell if they were for real or not. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I did like my favorite thing was like with the with the cutouts. I don't know if you saw like I saw highlights of a couple of the mascots like in the stands with like twenty cutouts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Come on, like, let's yeah. make some noise. What are we doing? Like, here? Like, let's like, get it going. The mascots Come everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was it was a fun weekend from that perspective for mm-hmm. sure. It was also Arthur Motes. I know you'll be happy to hear this. Was well, it your birthday? For the no, it's not my birthday. My right, birthday's in February. Come on. Every day's your birthday. You Every day's my birthday. Um the soccer uh fans of Steelers Nation Radio had themselves a strong weekend, Arthur Motes. Ooh, All right. Okay, okay, let's hear it. Two 0 win for Manchester United. All right. They finished third in England, right? Which Ooh. if you finish top four, uh-huh. that's where you want to be. That guarantees Correct. you get into the you know Champions right. League the following year. So they secured they locked down Champions League by finishing third. And then Aston Villa, mm. Reagan's team. Okay, yeah, yeah. They clinched promotion. So they stayed it. So okay. the, they were like in that relegation battle. Yeah. You know how that works. Right, Bottom right. three teams go down. Mm-hmm. And then the top three teams from the, you know, what we would deem like the minor league right, come right. up. They go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reagan's team, Aston Villa staying alive. My I team, like Manchester it. United, making it to Champions League. So it was a I good like it. weekend uh, in that regard. It was also a good weekend, Arthur Motes. For one, Jamal Adams. Ooh. Ooh. Ask and you shall receive is Ask, what they say. You know what? Ask and you shall receive. And I tell you what. Or take a shot at your coach and then you'll receive. Either <laughs> way. Either way it works. The New York Jets, uh, they did some receiving. Uh, that's a yeah. heck of a trade package. Uh, I want to get your opinion on that. And how you look at it from the scope of, so I feel like it was 50-50. A lot of people were saying, Hey, Jets, you did a great job. You got a great haul there. Fantastic. Now you can continue to build. Right. A lot of people were saying, too, okay, but the trick is to build while your quarterback is still on his rookie deal, and you're kind of just kicking that can down the road. Mm -hmm. So just your thoughts on everything that transpired, Jamal Adams, the Jets, the Seahawks this weekend. Yeah, uh, for Jamal Adams, he definitely got what he wanted in terms of being able to get out of New York along with – potentially getting that long-term deal done because that was a big part of the negotiation of the trade. And I think that's why the Seahawks gave away what they did give away. And 
I mean, I've seen where people were trying to compare the Jamal Adams trade to the Minka trade, and we're making it as if, you know, we got this big steal because we only had to give up one first-round pick. But the difference is Minka is still under contract for the next, well, at the time for the next three no, excuse me, the next four years because they have the fifth-year option right, on him. Right. Whereas Jamal Adams, this is contract you year. You have to pay him. So that's why they had to give up a lot more for that because they know, hey, this is this is it. You know what I mean? But Jamal Adams, I think, like I said, he will get the big-time deal that he wants out there in Seattle. So that will work out for him. And for the Jets, they are kicking the can down the line. But at the same time, anytime you're able to get high-quality draft capital – you you want to go you with that. You can't bulk at that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, two first-round picks is huge. And especially when you look at all the trades that have transpired, I mean, the best – what who, who I'm trying to think the best trade return thus far was probably Diggs, who got a first round. Because you think about mm-hmm. with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, that trade didn't – I know, that's Yeah, crazy. it was, what, third and, and David Johnson, who still has a, a – I mean, it's not as big a contract as DeAndre Hopkins, but it still is a big contract. Yeah. So I didn't look at that as some big win. Obviously, we had to give up, what, one first-round pick for Minka. So when I'm looking around, I'm like, yeah, I mean, on paper, they got the most assets for that player. Yeah. But now the flip side is you're replacing Jamal Adams with who, uh, Brian McDougal? It's going to be a drop-off. Frugal McDougal, maybe. There's going to be a drop-off. And then along with those two first-round draft picks, because of when you made this trade, that's not even going to help you this season. Right. That's a next-season thing. So for me, man, I think that hurt them in the short term. But I think long term wise, this could be very beneficial if they're able to get two quality players. Now, that's going to depend on their drafting situation as well mm-hmm. and, and how they go about their players and inviting, which is going to be very difficult this year because of potentially what the college football landscape will look like. So those are some concerns. But I mean, overall, I think the Jets, I mean, for what they received is a win for them yeah, and for Jamal Adams in particular, it's a win. And if you're the Seahawks, like I said, I'm assuming they already have talked about a deal getting done. Otherwise, yeah. that, that trade doesn't happen. So for them, you're you're getting a generational talent. You're, I mean, Earl Thomas has been gone, but you're getting that stud safety. Now, granted, two totally different styles of play. He's more of a weak side linebacker, like in the box safety. But overall, you're getting a guy that you're going to be able to have for the next four to five years. It's going to really change the face of your secondary. Yeah, I think so too. For Seattle, you know, you're kind of on that, all right, Russell Wilson's 31 years old. We got another few years here while he's still really, you know, in his prime. We, we got to gear up and, and, you know, kind of maximize this Russell Wilson window while we can. Tell you what, you get Jamal Adams in there, and maybe you find a way to get this clowny thing done. All of a sudden, that defense looks much better, uh, you know, than it did a week ago. Certainly, that roster looks a much, much better than it did a week ago. Jamal Adams, New York to Seattle. Ooh, Lev Bell didn't seem too happy on the Twitter.com there, Mozi. I tell you what, well, a, little could, war, a little war of words already between I, those I, I two. I will say this, man. I do think Le'Veon handled it as best as possible because you got to remember this. When Le'Veon was on the market, Jamal Adams was the biggest person preaching and screaming for L. Bell to come there. Mm-hmm. Then he comes there, and then a year later, now let's be real about it, Jamal Adams' situation, as bad as it is now from what he verbally said it was, he wasn't the one that was receiving all the criticism. L. Bell was. Remember, Gase went on record saying that he didn't even want L. Mm-hmm. Bell there. So when I see that, I'm like, L. Bell handled that situation, stayed there, never once said he wanted to leave, was going to be you know down for the team and things along that nature. But Jamal Adams is the one that ultimately just like, all right, I'm going to holler at y'all. Good to see ya. And then, 
Elbel voices that, but then you see where Jamal Adams is like, man, look, week 14, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's noted. Elbel could have easily came back and said some other things, but he still he took the high road, man. I was very proud of him. I said, that's good growth <laughs> by that young man because he could have easily made this thing a lot more. And, and trust me, fans would have loved it. Oh, absolutely. Media would have ate it up. Absolutely. But I felt like he handled it the right way. Man, I just got to shout him out for his maturity in that department because it's not easy, especially right now, man. A whole bunch going on, Arthur Motes. I mean, we got war of words amongst Keenan Allen and some of the wide receivers. Yeah, I don't know we, if you saw we, that. We got today. receivers that came out of retirement as yep, well, man. Yep. So we got. I mean, we got angry Steelers fans about uh, where Cam Hayward was ranked in the NFL <sighs> Player wow. Top 100. So we got plenty to get to here today. We'll uh, we'll touch on some of these other things, these other housekeeping items in the second segment on the other side here. So keep those tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. We also got to talk about uh, this Marlins thing and COVID and how that relates to the NFL's return to play. And you know, just uh, just life, just life, man. We having a blast, bro. Just life here on a Monday, Arthur Motes. I mean, Arthur Motes has some training camp takes. We got a whole bunch, man. To I get can't to wait. here. All right, so we got you for the next right, quick math hour and forty minutes or so here. Yeah, no, 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 a- hour and uh, forty-two minutes. No, hour and thirty-two minutes. Excuse me, forty-two. 42, yeah, 42, you were right yeah, we got two you See, you don't yeah. second-guess yourself. you got to cut right. your eyelids off. Hey, man, I ain't got eyelids. My eyes dry as a mug right now. <laughs> going to take a quick break to pay some bills, but on the other side, more stellar talk, more football talk. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler on a Monday having some fun inside the electric factory. We got some more housekeeping to get to here before we get to our topic du jour. Housekeeping? Housekeeping! Arthur Motes, Don Juan says he's upset. Killa Cam Hayward, number 84 on the NFL top 100 players list. Really, that's a shame. I agree, but I also don't. I mean, these are like Madden ratings, right? It's good. It's good. It's good for us. It's good content for us to debate and spend some time talking about. And some people will use it for bulletin board material. But we all know how good Cam Hayward is. The people who play in the National Football League all know how good Cam Hayward Let's is. See? That's the issue. What is voted on by players? Exactly. So the players don't respect. Like we always look at like this. I would be. I'm more offended when it's the top 100 list versus Madden ratings because with Madden ratings, we know the caveat. We know it's that just a couple hey, dudes in a room. It's, it's dudes in a room. Yeah. And, and depending on who you are in terms of your celebrity, you're gonna get higher ratings. We know that. We we've talked about that directly with some of the players in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. But when it comes to the top 100 list, that is voted amongst your players, your peers, coaches. So you feel a certain level of pride when you're on that list, especially when you hear the players talking about you and why you voted them. Like, I've had the opportunity, obviously, when I played, there's certain players who were like, you know, I, I vote this guy here. Right. And then they would have you and on the show. Oh, and right. And you yeah. would be on the show talking about why this guy Man, is up dude's there. insane. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to Cam Hayward, I'm like, bro, this is a, a what, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro and you haven't ranked 84th, 
point to me 84, I mean, 83 guys that are better than him. I don't see it personally. I mean, unless I can list Arthur Motes 83 times. I mean, well, and even then, man, because he got my Apple Watch, man, it's always going to be him ahead of me. I don't have no issue with it. But that that's an issue to me, though, when I think of that. But he's not the only one. I mean, even though he's a rat bird, Marlon Humphrey. Let's be real. Marlon Humphrey mm-hmm. was a top five, top three corner last year, not only from productivity, but scoring, turning, turning turnovers into points. We saw all the things that he was able to do for that Ravens defense. You have him at, what, I think 80 on the list? Mm-hmm. To me, though, anytime you have all pros, first team all pros in the 80s, I mean, what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. You, you mean to tell me any other corner that you have ahead of these guys have to either be Stephon Gilmore, you have to be Defense Player of the Year, or you got to be First Team All Pro? I mean, it's not that many First Team All Pros. I saw the list. <laughs> two, two of the First Team All Pros is on the same team in Baltimore. Yep. So that's my issue right there. It's like, how do you have these guys rated so low? Because which D lineman outside of, okay, you can make a debate for Aaron Donald, you can make a debate for Chris Jones. Even if you want to make a debate for Cameron Jordan, okay, that's three guys. I guarantee you those three are going to be in the top 50, though. So how is Cam Hayward sitting at 84 when no you sense. can't name five D linemen that are better than him right now? Yeah. Like, that's, to me, I agree. that's the part that I'm not a fan of, and that's the part that is disrespectful because it just shows that from a peer standpoint, they still don't respect him. Even though it blows my mind when they talk about how, oh, man, from a technique standpoint, it doesn't matter if you're big, small, fast, or strong. Like, Cam is going to win because he's so fundamentally sound. His hand placement, his leverage. I mean, he, he checks the boxes. But then it gets me like, well, he's not a, he's not as athletic as his other guys. Where, where did you come with that from? <laughs> How do we come to that? Because he's a bull rusher? That means he's not as athletic? Like, if you got a move that wins, that's your, you, you drop your bread and butter. It's like, yeah. that's like you saying Debo ain't good because he only drops the, the, the sink and rip and, and turn the Like, no, if it works, it works. Like, what are we talking Ride about Ride the horse here? that got you there, yeah, right? That, that don't mean you're not athletic. That means you, you're a technician. But just because you're a technician doesn't mean you got to be lacking in other areas. That's the part that I, I don't like when they criticize Ken. That's the one thing they always go to. Extremely productive, great tactician, not as athletic as the other guys. Who are the other guys? Aaron <laughs> Donald and Chris Jones, that's it? <laughs> who are we talking about here? Who are these other guys and where did you get them from? Like, like I really want to know who are these other guys y'all refer to as, as interior D-linemen, not D-ins. Interior D linemen that are also more athletic than Cam Hayward. Because I tell you what, you give me your top ten, I'm taking Cam over everybody except probably the three that I just named. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's just how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know what makes me more upset? I mean, Cam Hayward is is totally getting robbed here. They clearly Motsi did not ask Quentin Nelson what he thought of Cam Hayward because Cam mm-hmm. would have been top twenty. I mean, for sure. Talk about it. Apparently, there's just three Steelers players that made the NFL 100 this year. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Only three Steelers players? Did you players? see that? That leaked out last night. No, that's impossible. Wait. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on, no, no, Cam. It'd be Cam, TJ, and Mika. Correct. Yeah. But then that whoa. means Pouncey and DeCastro both didn't make it. Whoa. Yeah. That was my first thought. Right? Are you sure it's 23? T- who, who said this, man? Uh, uh, NFL.com's Reddit account revealed how many guys from each team were selected for this year's list. For the Steelers, apparently there will be just three players. That don't even sound right. From their current roster on the NFL Top 100 list. For, yeah, see that that don't sound right at all because you're not going to tell no me Joe that means no Joe Hayden. That means right. no Steven Nelson. You're not going to tell me that Pouncey or DeCastro aren't on that list because we both agree, right? If there's only two more, it's it, it would be Watt and Minka. But it that would, means it no would Hayden. Have to be. That means no Hayden, no Nelson, no Pouncey. Unless, unless you no disrespect Nika. 
because TJ's going to be on the list, but you would have to disrespect Minka, which we did see before. Who, who, uh, one of the CBS guys, where they made the list, and Minka wasn't a top 100 player. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> last year, the Steelers had five guys. Big Ben, Juju, James Conner, Cam Hayward, and TJ Watt. So if TJ Watt was on it last year, he's yeah. definitely going to be on it again. But that's funny, though. No DeCastro, no Pouncey. No DeCastro or Pouncey last year. And I got to tell you what, after the season that the offensive line had, I don't know if like that's going to ch- you know from the public perception yeah. if that's going to change. But wasn't Pouncey all pro this year? Or was it DeCastro? That was this year that was either an all pro this don't year? No, I know they I know what I think you're thinking of 2 years ago. I think you're thinking <sighs> of 18. I'm a little upset, man. I'm uh, I'm dumbfounded right now, man. Uh, so DeCastro has been an All-Pro 15, 16, and 17. He was a Pro Bowler. Maybe he was that's, Pro Bowl. That's what, maybe oh, okay. that's what yeah, you're yeah, thinking yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It, Arthur wow. Motes. Arthur Motes. Arthur Motes. Ooh, only three. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, because Pouncey and DeCastro Pro Bowlers this past season. That's what it was. Right. That makes Ooh, that, that makes absolutely. We're gonna have to keep an eye on this throughout the oh, next couple man. weeks. I mean, right? it has to be Mika. Has to be on this list. Has right? to. Be. I mean, TJ. If TJ was on it last T- year, TJ's he's definitely gonna be on it because yeah. he was in the conversation for Defense Player of the Year. Right. He, and he plays a position where you get the glamour. Mm-hmm. But and wow. he's got the last name too. Yeah, of like that, the people around the league it. know the know the Watt family and TJ but, but, and JJ. But what I will say is this: guys like Steven Nelson, guys like uh, Bud Dupree, they have the one year in the hole. So you you never make the list traditionally that first year that you ball unless you have like a Shaq Barrett unless type you're year. a quarterback right if you're a quarterback like Josh Allen he had that situation he made the, he's on yeah. the list this year eighty six I think uh, he was something yeah like that. something like eighty six eighty seven yeah but it was like his first like real breakout season or whatever but like you said at quarterback you can get away with that but traditionally you have to have already balled out that first year. Yes. And then the following year is when you get Build upon on. it, yeah. So, like, with a guy like Bud coming off a of double-digit sacks, he goes there and gets double-digit sacks again, he would make the list. Steven Nelson comes out there and have another season like how he had this year, he would make the list. Joe Hayden, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, he's not a top 100 player when you look at the fact that he still was very productive in coverage, had the turnovers, mm-hmm. the splash plays in the big moments, too. So, that was a little different, man, but a lot of this does go back to the fact of the perception around the Steelers this past season was they were down, obviously, with Ben going down. And I think that that hurt them from a league-wide standpoint because I know it was sometimes, like, from personal experience, when we would vote on the top 100 players, every team has a stud. That that one guy, you're like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's a guy that should be top 100. But if a team was struggling – like Jacksonville, for example, it was times where they were struggling. You wouldn't even consider a guy from them, even if he had the statistics, even when you know he was a tough matchup, just because you're like, oh, well, that team's not that good, man. So, right. I mean, yeah, we're, right. I will pass on them. So, I think a lot of the guys on defense for the Steelers, when we talk about the, the multiple names that should be up here that probably won't be, I think that plays into it, honestly. Kyler Murray up here at 90 after that rookie season. Josh Allen, 87. Marlon Humphrey, 86. There's a lot of Eagles in the 80s and 90s here. Ertz at 85. Kelsey at 93. Darius Slay at 91. Oh, your boy Ryan Ramchek comes in at 82. DK Metcalf at 81. Talk about, see, that, that's, 
that type of stuff right there, bro. Is that type of stuff right there? What are we talking about? That rubs me wrong. Miles Garrett at eighty, Calais Campbell seventy nine. I mean, I guess you could argue for Garrett, right? Because he only played ten games. If you want to make that argument standpoint of it, but JJ Watt made the list one year. He ain't even playing a game that season. What are we talking about here? Keenan Allen at seventy seven feels a little bit low for him. Earl Thomas at seventy five. That's why Keenan Allen got so mad though, man. He started tweeting. Like, so here's a perfect example: Earl Thomas at seventy five, Ronnie Stanley at seventy four. Not right. Nah, I'm nah. talking right now. Okay, not, nah. we know what Earl Thomas's career nah, is. That legacy. Yeah. Right now, Ronnie Stanley is a much better football player than Earl Thomas. Like much better football player. Fletcher Cox, seventy three. Uh, Jarrell Casey, seventy one. Like, that's that's the issue, man. Yeah, I, I don't get that. How? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? How is DK Metcalf 81? Get out of here. So D- DK right now is right now. He took his shirt here. off when people were getting ready to vote, and they were like, oh, well, you know, that guy, he looks pretty good. We should we should put him up on that list. Like, oh. that, that, that bothers me. That bothers me, that too. Bothers All right, me. thanks a lot, Don Juan. Now you got me bothered, too, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Motsi, we – uh. Got to get into some of the training camp stuff here ahead of training camp as I blame we wrap you up. For this. this is your fault. This is Don Juan's. I mean, it's Don Juan's fault. It's all right though. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah, no, we'll we have won't. To keep, we'll have to keep an eye on this. Uh, they do what? They do like twenty. I think they unveil twenty more every week. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's, it's not daily. It's weekly. It's weekly. Yeah. They they unveil like twenty or twenty five more every week. So we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, as it goes along, see where the Steelers end up, where some of the Steelers don't end up and we'll obviously vent our frustrations here on the show uh to wrap up the first hour when we come back here i want to talk to arthur motes about some of these training camp plans uh what we saw transpire in major league baseball today how that all is intertwined as we get ready for the return of the national football league baby arthur motes Wesley Euler having some fun on a monday inside the electric factory don't go anywhere you're listening to steelers blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A whole bunch happening in the sports world today, and I guess (laughs) at least we'll take it, Motsi. It's the first time that we've been able to say that for a few months here on the program. Some of it not good news, though. We started with some positive today. I guess then we got into some not so positive. Some not so positive with the disrespect <laughs> of Cam Hayward. Disrespect my homie, man. Don't you ever disrespect my homie like that. Disrespect of Cam Hayward and what appears to be some of the other Steelers reports that there's only going to be three members of the black and gold on the NFL's top 100 list. But we'll save that outrage for when the moment is appropriate. Arthur Motes. Uh, sports. Back this past weekend in a bunch of different capacities, right? Major League Baseball, of course, one of those. We were all excited Thursday, Friday, over the weekend to get some baseball in. Let's go Bucks! But something that we all also, I think, right, Motsi, if you didn't expect at some point that some team was going to have some, you know, some COVID cases, I think you were just being naive, right? Like, this is going to happen. If you look at the scope of society, right, and people are traveling and people are working, 
you're going to have cases. That's just the way it is for right now as things are currently kind of uh, constructed or laid out, if you will. And it looks like the Florida Marlins have maybe uh, become that team in Major League Baseball, as many as 14 positive tests being reported. Uh, They played the Phillies yesterday, so now, of course, the Phillies are being quarantined and they're being tested too in their game tonight against the Yankees postponed. A bunch of stuff going on with the Marlins as well too. A lot of people now, you know, taking this news today and saying, well, see, look, you you have to do what basketball and what hockey are doing, right? Like, you have to have a bubble league or it's just not going to work. And you and I have talked about concerns in this regard a little bit as to where the testing is very serious the first two, four, six weeks. And then maybe it gets a little lax and people start to go home and they're around their family members who are going to work or who are traveling or who might be going to school here in the next month or so as well, too. I don't know how realistic an NFL bubble is, Arthur Motes. I don't think it is because it's not like the NHL or the NBA where you can have 20, 30, 40 people. These operations are three, four, five times the size in the National Football League. But when you see what's going on with Major League Baseball today, right, a league that has the kind of the freedom that the Mm -hmm. NFL will have, does it give you any concern about, you know, the NFL potentially hitting some of these road bumps once the season starts? Uh, obviously, we definitely have some concerns. You think about just right now with the uh, the players that reported last week to training camp and how I think they said it was 12 people or 12 players already that had tested positive. Mm-hmm. I think they only had – it was only five or six teams that even reported. Right. So, I mean, that's still a significant amount when you think about how many players are actually there to get tested. And you have to assume that now once training camp fully opens and all the players will be there, you're looking at 80 players per team – a lot more testing, so you would have to assume that you would have a lot more positive tests coming in. So, yeah, I do have my concerns in that regard because you don't have the luxury of a bubble. You don't have the luxury of isolating these players, and you have to really trust not only them but the people that they're living with or in close proximity with that they're going to be doing the right thing in terms of socially distancing themselves and wearing masks, et cetera, and things along that nature. So, yeah, it's, it's a big concern to me. I, I think – basketball probably is the least concerned and even NHL I think they showed that all their players tested and none of them were positive yeah they had over this past week they did over 2400 tests the NHL did and they did not have a single positive that is that's massive yeah and and I think because they've taken a similar approach to the uh, NBA in terms of them having hub cities where those players will be isolated and, and and kept in a safe proximity from the general public those are the things that I think that's the recipe for success right now. When you look at what the MLB was trying to accomplish by allowing that freedom, uh, essentially, it sets you up for failure because it's a lot more moving pieces, a lot more people you have to rely and count on. And that can be very difficult. And I think the NFL is going to be similar to that, if not worse, just because you have so many more people. Right. At least with baseball, like you said, is not as big as an NFL team. And, and here's the thing, too, right? Think about with baseball, and, and rightfully so, they're being very cautious with the Phillies, right, who, mm-hmm. play, who just played the Marlins in three games. But even think about that. Aside from maybe the catcher, right, who's standing in the batter's box, and the first baseman, who anybody who gets on base, you know, ends up going near that guy, mm-hmm. a lot of the Phillies, right, probably weren't even close to the Marlins throughout those Correct. three games. Yeah. 
Steelers play the Carolina Panthers, Motsi. We've talked about this. There's no social distancing out there on the field. There's lining up six inches away from each other, and there's tackling, and there's laying in piles, and there's sweat, and there's breathing, and there's blood, and there's grabbing, and there's maybe some punching and some pulling and and some holding. It's it's different. Like uh, that's that's the thing. Even for even for a sport that is more physical like hockey, right? It's still not the same as the NFL where you've got 22 dudes who are colliding on every single play 100 plus times a game. It's it's going to take some vigilance, I think. There's going to have to be some protocols. And with all this, I think maybe it is good, Motsi, now. (laughs) And I know you're going to laugh when I say this because you're going to be like, of course you say it's good. Maybe the no preseason thing really was like the no-brainer here because you're going to need some time to get everybody on the same page before you even start the games in September. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I got one preseason game would have still been nice too. No, 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 no. You know, yeah, no preseason games. Who needs preseason, man? It's overrated. But ultimately, man, it's going to be a, a, a real test to see can athletes – overlook the human nature element of it (laughs) overlook the i want to be selfish and do what i want to do element of it and put others before themselves i mean we've seen how as a nation that's been very difficult to do with just mask versus no mask and how people view that but when it comes to sports it's going to be a very trying time to see okay if if everyone operates how they're supposed to operate and follow the procedures that have been you know set aside and the guidelines that have been displayed in front of them if everybody can follow that well, then I think that this can happen and it can be very successful. But at the same time, if you have the people that want to do it their way, the people that want to still do activity or participate in activities that are deemed high risk, well, then, yeah, you're going to run the risk of an outbreak. You're going to run the risk of things being slowed back up in terms of the return to normalcy. Now, I did see where the NFL recently said that players who uh, partake in high-risk activities hmm. – they do face punishment in terms of if they were to contract COVID from a high-risk activity, they wouldn't receive pay. That's something that's being negotiated right now to kind of give some more structure and give some more uh, consequences to the players that want to say, well, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do this anyways, whether it's going out to clubs, whether it's going to different places that are you know, deemed yeah. as a high-risk activity. I mean, maybe even because, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like think, for example, right, if you were still playing with the Steelers and one of your daughters had a, a dance recital mm-hmm. or a basketball game or something yeah. indoors mm-hmm. with a couple hundred people. That's deemed high-risk. That's deemed high-risk. Yeah. How do you kind of – oh, man. that Then it becomes right a real priority discussion for yeah. these. Do I want to play the sport that I love and earn my income? Mm-hmm. Or do I, like you said, that kind of that selfish aspect that, that yeah. we all have to an extent, do I want to live my life the way yeah. I want to live it? So those are some of the things that the NFL is trying to do to combat that. Because I think in this particular case, when we're talking about the common goal being that well, we want to have a full season played, that's going to have to take priority over whatever you deem as important to you in terms of do I take this chance or not? You have to say to yourself, hey, man, the greater good is sports returning. And if that's the whole focus right now, then everything else has to take a back seat to that, regardless of the sentimental value of each event, regardless of what it may be. 
I have to say that, hey, football is more important. And that's just one person. Now, imagine you're doing that to a couple thousand people because ultimately that's, I mean, when you look at the NFL rosters, once they cut it down to the regular season rosters, yeah, it's going to be a couple of thousand individuals that are going to have to operate under that same mentality, that same code. And that's just players, not even talking about the coaches, not even talking about the training staff, not even talking about the the just building staff that is in close proximity with the players. That's a lot of people that you're depending on. That's my only – Yeah. that's the only thing that makes me skeptical a little bit mm-hmm. is just we know how people are, man. You yeah. put you put 10 people in a room and tell them, hey, all teenagers, I got to do this. You know one or two of them is going to say, I want to do this instead. Yep. I want to do it my way. And let's be honest, too. A lot of these people that have more disposable income than the average person, yes. they're used to living a, a certain lifestyle. Not only the disposable income, but you've already told them that, hey, y'all are low risk. So – their their thought process mm-hmm. could be drastically different, man. And and that whole low risk thing. Hey, the numbers are what the numbers are. But Arthur Motes, I also read a story this morning about uh, a Washington Nationals pitcher who has it and is having serious heart conditions. I heard the exact same thing. That's a professional athlete low. who is, I believe, in his late twenties. Yeah. Low risk does not mean no risk. Low Remember risk that, does not mean low risk. Mozi, maybe we should tattoo that on every American's forehead for the next few months here. I don't really like tattoos. Forward. What are you talking about? I can't do that. <laughs> Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, one hour in the books. All right, hour number two. We're going to get to some football football. Are we really going to do We're that? We're going to get to some sportsy sports here on the program, Arthur Motes. I have got seven different either ors for Arthur Motes. Who's got the bigger chip on their shoulder? Who's got the most to prove? And I want to get Motsi's opinion as we are now in training camp report week. Oh, yeah, we'll get to some X's and O's. We'll get to some football, baby, in the second hour of the program. So keep those tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. 60 in the books. 60 to go. Keep it right here on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Suspicious? Well, that's good. <laughs> suspicious. I'm suspicious about all this activity that's going uh, on I'll right tell now. You what that Arthur Mo make me nervous. He's funny, folks. He's funny. You already know the drill. Hour number two inside the Electric Factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler at Steelers Blitz on SNR, and our Steelers coverage on SNR is brought to you in part by PNC Bank, the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hour number two, Arthur Motes, and let's not waste any time here. Let's get right into it. Uh, We've been teasing this. I've been teasing this for you for like two months now here, Arthur Motes, on the show, but I've got seven different either-or conversations for you, if you will. Who's got the bigger chip on their shoulder? Who's got more to prove this NFL season I've got seven different matchups for you. You ready here, Motsi? Who's get... bigger, Wes or Arthur? Well, I mean, whose head's bigger? That's the real question here. Yeah. <laughs> but Arthur Motes, the first one, I think this is probably the most obvious one from, you know, again, these are from the national perspective this year. 
Who's got more to prove? The Patriots and Bill Belichick or TB12? Man, either or. Jeez, because both of them definitely have major stuff to prove. But um, I'm going to say Bill Belichick does. I think with Brady, even if he goes down to Tampa and flops this year and next year, he always has the excuse of, well, I'm, I'm old, you know? It, it was time for me to retire anyways. And I, the crazy offseason. You know what I mean? Like, the offseason didn't work out. I'm old. We brought back Gronk out of retirement. I mean, it was just – it was a lot going on. Whereas if you're the Patriots, your you your whole legacy is built upon we don't need particular players. Hmm. We just plug and play. Mm-hmm. We talked about how they construct their roster – Offense, defense, they bring in people who have talent but are either coming off of a controversy or coming off of a down season, and they take you know guys who don't look as productive and make them very productive. For the Patriots to continue that model, that method, they would need to be successful this year. They would need to be in the playoffs again this year and actually win a playoff game this year without Tom Brady to show that, hey, if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm the mastermind, along with our program, it works. It doesn't matter who you have out there. Insert player, and we're going to be successful. So I think it's a lot more pressure on the Patriots, whereas with Brady, like I said, even if it goes terrible in Tampa, I'm old. <laughs> the offseason, didn't, I didn't get a chance to work with my guys ahead of time. Or Arians, you know, what I mean, he was holding me back. Like, he got some options with that. Though no, they didn't get enough, they didn't get me a running back that I needed. So he already has built-in excuses for himself down there. Yeah, I think so too, especially with everything that's transpired this offseason. I agree with you. He's got a lot of built-in excuses. I think maybe in the short term, right, maybe there's a little more pressure on Brady just for this season. Because, you know, if Belichick has a bad year or two, right, but then the Patriots bounce back and three, True. four, five years from now they're winning the division Completely again, yeah. that, that'll that be complete. Okay, hey, you lost Tom Brady. You needed a couple yeah. years to reset. Understandable. Brady definitely doesn't have that luxury. Brady definitely, no, at his age, does not have that luxury. So, yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. Some more built-in excuses there as well, too. All right, that's number one. Number two. I like two. that. That was, that was good. Ooh. That's a tough one, and actually. We'll, we'll stick here, actually, you know, kind of amongst, I guess, similar maybe Tampa Bay feel here. Who's got more to prove in 2020, Arthur Motes? Two guys who uh, didn't play last season. Two guys who we both fancy is some of the Arthur uh, Moss and Wesley Euler? Well, yeah, obviously. Best of best of their generation. Definitely uh, Arthur Moss and Wesley Euler. Two, there we go. Two guys who are on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Who's got more to prove in the 2020 season? Rob Gronkowski or A.J. Green? Mm, definitely Gronk. Um, A.J. Green, he's what missed the past, well, realistically the past two seasons with injuries. There is going to be pressure on him to perform, pressure on him to show that he can get back into that conversation of being an elite receiver. But I just think because of Cincinnati, Nobody is really expecting anything from them or from him in particular. If he comes out there and, and gets 1,200 yards, it's great, but nobody's still going to lose their mind over it. And if he goes out there and, and has a bad season or he gets hurt again, I don't think anyone's going to lose any sleep over it because it is Cincinnati. Whereas with Gronk, we know the hype's around him. 
we know the hype's around in Tampa Bay right now, and the new expectation for them is going to be what it was in New England in terms of Super Bowl or bust. Mm-hmm. So with Gronk, he has the pressure to perform because you're expecting him hooking back up with Brady, and they instantly go back to that elite level. I mean, you see even with the ratings in terms of how people are viewing Gronk and saying that he's the best tight end in the league right now at the sit not a year. I mean, that doesn't happen. Most of the time you sit out a year, regardless of who you are, you come back, you got to, you know, you, you, this is your top five, maybe. Right. They're saying, no, this dude's the number one tight end in the league. So there is going to be a lot more eyes on him, a lot more pressure on him to perform along with the media attention that's going to be surrounding him. So he has way more pressure. Whereas, like I said with AJ, let's be real. How many times are, are we even going to see him in primetime? Mm-hmm. Once? Maybe twice? If you count a Thursday night game? No one's really going to be locked in on Cincinnati like that. You might watch Joe Burrow, but after the first couple of games, that loses its allure, especially when he could be playing good, but they're getting beat by two (laughs) scores. It's not going to matter. So (laughs) with A.J. Green, I just don't see a lot of pressure being being on him because nobody's really watching Cincinnati like that. Yeah. I think that's a good call by you. I agree again. And maybe it's similar to the Belichick and the Tom Brady, the short term versus the long term. Like short term, I'm with you. I think it's definitely Gronk. Long term, a couple, you know, you and I have talked about this. Right. Another two or three good seasons for AJ Green could solidify his Hall of Fame legacy going forward. Well, I was going to ask, how many how many years do you think he has left? Yeah, three. Because he, he's been beat up. Three. A lot. He's 31, 32. He's 31. 31, he's, he's I think. Me, yeah. Three or four more years? Yeah. If he has two or three more good ones, he could really solidify his right. legacy, his but Hall of Fame candidacy. He can't have any more seasons where he only plays a handful of games. Correct. Where, you know, he's missing whereas, double digit games like that. Can't whereas Gronk can't. If yeah, Gronk comes back fine. this season, only plays two or three games and gets hurt, and that he's still going to be a Hall of he's Famer fine. one day. Absolutely. He's, he's fine. Yeah. So I think it's a good still funny. be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right, right. <laughs> There's that short term versus long term dynamic with, yeah. with those guys, too. But in the short term, I'm, I'm with you as well. I think it's Gronk in 2020 for sure. Let's uh maybe transition with this one a little bit. We talked about, yeah, I guess Belichick is a coach, too. So we have talked about some coaches here, but two coaches. Arthur Motes, who's got more to prove? Does it include Sean Payton? It does not. Oh, but you right. know I got a Saints. You know I'll I got a Saints say. question on this list, don't you? <laughs> Is like? Andy Reid included on this list? But who's got more to prove this season as a head coach? The guy who's now entering his third year back at the helm in a brand new city of Las Vegas, John Gruden. Mm. Or the Super Bowl champion who's back into the fold in a high-pressure situation where they're expecting him to win right away, Mike McCarthy. Gruden or McCarthy, Arthur Mm. Motes, more to prove in 2020. We know how this goes. Dallas is the mecca for media attention when it comes to football teams. They dub themselves America's team, and they make sure that they are constantly on TV. I mean, the majority of their games are always either in primetime or at 4 o'clock. They dominate the television. So when you talk about Mike McCarthy being the head guy there on top of replacing a Jason Garrett, and when you look at the talent that they have, McCarthy has all the pressure on him. Gruden, Gruden is fine because Gruden's situation is like Cincinnati. We're not watching a whole bunch of the Raiders playing. Let's be real about it. They're going to have, what, two to three games in prime time at best. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are going to be that that 
the funky one o'clock schedule. But because it's West Coast, the timing for those guys, they're not watching <laughs> the games out there. We're not watching them over here. So yeah. they, it's not a lot of attention around them. I mean, think about even last year. We talked, I mean, the perception around Derek Carr was he had a terrible year. He was average at best. But you look at his numbers, and they were top 10 worthy from a statistical standpoint. But nobody watches the Raiders. That's how mm-hmm. it is. Gruden's done, not to cut you off there, sorry. Yeah, but your owner, like, you got, man? For a guy who got a $100 million contract. He hasn't gave me $100 million productivity. He's He has not, certainly. And he's also found a real like interesting way to kind of quell those expectations. Yeah. Like what? Like you just nailed on it. This is now year three. Like mm-hmm. this year three for a head coach is usually put up or shut up time. Think, think about this. They're moving to Las Vegas. Where's all this pressure, Motes? Think, think about this. If this was Vaughn Miller, $100 million deal, third year into the deal, and he hasn't done anything, his career was mimicking a John Gruden, they'll be talking Jared about, Goff. oh, they, they'll be saying, hey, it's time <laughs> to restructure. We're going to move on from you. Yep. And the fans would be all for it. Yep. With Gruden, he has somehow, some way, been able to just— He traded Khalil yeah. Mack. All right, let's Nobody get our good players out of here. Let's keep those expectations down. Yeah. Like, I, I've never seen anything like it. He's I mean, even a dream right now. Think about this. They got a pass last year because of the A-B fiasco mm-hmm. in training camp. Mm-hmm. People gave them a whole pass on the season for mm-hmm. one player. Mm-hmm. A-B could have played the opener and got hurt. And that would have been a totally different mm-hmm. level of expectation. But because of how that thing played out prior to the season starting, they gave them a whole pass on the season. It's it's a heck of a gig that John Gruden has right yeah. now. So I mean, that's why McCarthy, I mean, to me, hands down has I'm more. With you. T- because number one, you know, Jerry Jones is not gonna be quiet. He's gonna talk. He's either gonna be hyping him up if he has some success early, or he's gonna be, you know, this given, is unacceptable. Right, given the the little subliminals like he does. And then when you factor in the Dak Prescott situation and what he's be, he's gonna be playing for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a lot that's going to be surrounding McCarthy. Not only does McCarthy have to win, but the offense has to look good because then it's going to fall back on, okay, well, in Green Bay, then was it more Aaron Rodgers or was it McCarthy? Which one was it? So it's it's going to be a lot of factors and variables playing into why McCarthy is going to have more pressure on him right now. I got a new five-year plan. Uh-oh. It's the John Gruden plan. I, I got to increase my compensation no, no, big no. time. Drastic, I was Drastically increase my compensation while drastically decreasing my expectations and my pressure to perform. There dude, we go. That's dude, my that, five-year plan, the John Gruden. That's the model. That That's kind of like the first time you saw a team win with a rookie quarterback and studs all around. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, what is oh, this? Wait a second. How do you do I this? Get into that. How, how do you draft a, a quarterback and then pair everybody else around him? Okay, all right. Shout out to the Seahawks. So you know what? Yeah, we try to pull a Gruden. Pay us. And lower your expectations. (laughs) The John Gruden model. You heard it here first. I like it. On Steelers' Blitz. I've got four more of these to run by Arthur Motes on the other side. We got a quarterback one. Mm -hmm. We got a franchise one. Uh Uh-oh. One that involves the Steelers. One that involves those New Orleans Saints. So Mm -hmm. a whole bunch more to get to here for Motesy. Who's got more to prove? The discussion continues on the other side. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. With Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
Euler Emotes acting crazy on a Monday with you here on SNR, having some fun. As always, we roll along with our most to prove conversation. Arthur Motes, I'm interested to hear your take on this one. Because I think I know where you're going to go, but maybe I'm wrong. You think you know, but you have no idea. You might think you know, but you don't know. The Diary of Arthur Motes. You remember that show? <laughs> that was my favorite show. It was on MTV for like seven seasons, right? <laughs> you think you know, but you have no idea. A little quarterback on quarterback conversation here. You know, I can't stand quarterbacks now. But you like one of these guys. If it ain't been, I don't like them. Arthur Motes, who's got more to prove in 2020? Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen? Oh, let's go! I love this. Is this is why you get paid the book, big bucks, baby? <laughs> you know now, me. I get excited when I get to I talk know, about. Yeah. I'll give you. I think you'll like this too. I thought about making this a three-horse race, right, and uh-huh. putting Sam Darnold in the conversation no, 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 too. No, no, don't do that. Don't but do that. Sam Darnold's team doesn't have the expectations Absolutely. of these two. Like, yes. the Browns are expected that okay, this is the year you put it all together. Yes. The Bills that are expected this is the year you win the division. Absolutely. The Jets, go further in the playoffs. The Jets just traded their best player, yeah. <laughs> and nobody believes in their head coach. So I left Sam Darnold out of this because I don't think he has the team expectation. But these two do. Look, look so at Arthur you. Motes. Look at you. Look at you. Who's got more to prove in 2020? The first overall pick, Baker Mayfield, or the top 10 guy whose team made the playoffs last year and I'm expecting to go to the next level, Josh Allen? Man, I think it's Josh Allen. So, um, obviously, he got some respect from a league standpoint, making the list, the top 100. I think he was at number 86 or 87. 86, I think, yeah. So, that was a huge, huge thing for him. But the reason why I think it's more pressure on him to perform and be the guy this year is because last year he led that team to the playoffs. I mean, they got in a shootout with the Texans and ended up losing overtime, but it wasn't because of his lack of playmaking ability. It wasn't because of his lack of productivity. It was more so Deshaun Watson really stepped up in a big way in that game. But I think with the expectations now, being that they are supposed to win the AFC East for the first time in, what, 20 years, Brady's gone. All of these things are lining up for him. And the way the Bills are set up, their defense is is elite. We talked about that. They have weapons on offense, but it starts with the quarterback position. And they are finally going to get a chance to see if he's their guy, their franchise quarterback. He had a decent first year, a really good second year. But ultimately, this is going to be the year now where people are expecting you. You're not sneaking up on anybody. So that's why I think there's more pressure on him. Whereas with Baker, even though we know the Browns have a very talented team, even though we know they got a new head coach, even and though he's we, the first overall let, pick, let, let's be real about it. We're all expecting the Browns to brown. We, we expect <laughs> we expect them to, hey man, y'all are very talented, but somehow, some way, y'all can go eight and eight at best. Like if they do anything other than that, it's going to come off as a surprise. I mean, there are people that already consider Baker a bust. Even I think that's a little too extreme, a little premature, yeah, but. Just the expectation because it's Cleveland, you expect them to find somehow some <laughs> to way to falter. Yeah. So I think when we're talking about <laughs> Baker and the expectation in this season, I think we all have the same thought process of if they win nine games, we're going to be surprised. If they get ten games or make it to the playoffs, we're going to be like, whoa, they're Good world year. beaters. That yeah. was an awesome year yeah. for them. But at the same time, if they go eight and eight or seven and nine, we're not going to be surprised. Right. We're not going to be sitting here like, oh, my God, I, I never would have thought the Browns were going to do that this year. No, because the Browns historically have done that, so right. there won't be any <laughs> surprise. Whereas the Bills, if Josh Allen comes out and underperforms this year and they don't make the playoffs and they don't win the division, they're all going to point to him directly. It's not going to be on anybody else. It's going to be on him solely. So I think that's why 
he has more pressure. Whereas if the Browns don't make the playoffs or the Browns play bad this year, no one's going to be surprised by it. No one's going to say, oh, it's Baker's fault. They're going to say, oh, it's, it's the Browns. What you expect? Like, that's what the Browns do. I'm with you. I'm with you. I agree. I think it's kind of messed up. I mean, we talked about John Gruden and how he's escaped some of the pressure. I, I, I don't know how a first overall pick quarterback can do the same, but maybe and to I an think extent Baker has. And I think if he was playing for any other team outside of Cleveland, it would be different. Even in Cincinnati, there's more expectation because yeah. even with Dalton, they were still making the it's playoffs. They just weren't having success in the playoffs, but they were still winning the division, still being in the playoffs on a year-in and year-out basis. Cleveland, because they struggled for so long, even when you want to give them expectations, <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, I, I believe you, but I'm going to hedge my bet by betting on the opposite as well. I'm going to take the over and the under in this bet because you just don't really <laughs> believe them to that extent. Whereas with Buffalo now, two out of the past three years, they've made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They won 10 games last year for the first time in how many years? Mm-hmm. They finally have one of the most complete rosters we talked about on paper, offense and defense, in the league. Like They're, they're up there with them. So now there is a legit expectation around them. I think so, too. And with Brady leaving, it makes it where now you have the expectation, but it's more realistic, too, because you don't have the big brother that's sitting there anymore. Yeah, you don't have the Ravens and the Steelers in your division. Yeah. So that, that, that plays into a big reason to why I believe that Josh Allen has a lot more pressure. Whereas with Baker, so man, first-round pick, number one overall pick or not, like – I mean, think about this. They had Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick, and he got Miles Girl on the other end. Like, they have a ton of Denzel high. Denzel Ward was third dude, overall. a ton of top five, top three picks. One overalls. Multiple number one overall draft picks. But the expectation is nowhere near what it should be. Mm-hmm. Because it's Cleveland. Must be nice. Must be nice. No, I'm with you. If the Bills have a, you know, a quote-unquote disappointing or underwhelming season, I think a lot of people will blame Josh Allen. If the Browns have another disappointing or underwhelming season, there'll be a laundry list of a dozen different things mm-hmm. that people point to. Let's get to some franchises here. These last three are all franchise either Uh-oh. ors, Arthur Motes. Okay, okay. Uh, a little transition here, a little change gears. Uh, Los Angeles franchises. Ooh, in 2020, Arthur Motes. Who's got more to prove? Is it the Chargers, right, who are still kind of trying to find their footprint in L.A., and now Phillip Rivers is gone, and it's a new era, but you got a top-10 quarterback, and you think you got some things going in the right direction, right? Or is it the Rams? Two years ago, you were in the Super Bowl, right? Last year, you faltered. But, man, you got Jalen Ramsey. You got Aaron Donald. You think you got your franchise quarterback and Jared Goff. You got the boy genius Sean McVay. Who's got more to prove in 2020 of the two Los Angeles football franchises? I think it's the Rams. Um, the expectation is still there, not because of the personnel on the field, but because McVay, the boy genius, the guy who has never had a losing season, only been in the league for three years. But they throw that out there, and they just assume that he's smarter than everyone else. So I think they have a lot more expectations. And then, like you said, they were just in the Super Bowl two years ago. Whereas with the Chargers – Philip Rivers being gone, no one is really expecting them to do a lot. They understand Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, and they understand Tyrod Taylor is good, but he's more so a, a stopgap. He, he's not your long-term answer. So they're asking, okay, well, how long until Justin Herbert gets up to speed and things like that? Ultimately, though, with the Rams, you still consider them to be a playoff contender. You consider them to be a 10-plus win team. You consider them to be in the mix when it comes to the NFC playoff race whereas with the Chargers 
I mean, let's be real. You could debate them being the third best team, maybe even fourth best team in their division. Yeah. Like, that's a legitimate argument for them. So I think that that plays into it a lot more. Whereas with the Rams, they're still going to be viewed as one of the top teams in that division in the uh, the NFC West. So I think that's the biggest difference between the two and ultimately why I think the Rams have the more pressure on them. And the media attention surrounding the Rams. Yeah. Let's be real. The Chargers Chargers only got hard knocks because they're sharing the stadium with the Rams. Correct. If if they were in San Diego, nobody would be watching them. If they were were in Compton instead of L.A., nobody would be watching them. Let's be real about it, man. But that's just how it goes right now. The Rams are the the, the A team out there. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, you know, the South Side. Yeah, Pitt and the Steelers share the facility, but it's it's still a facility. We know that. It's it's still a facility. Y'all just written on the other side. Right. And that's kind of it is with the Rams and the Chargers. Correct. Correct. That's a good way to put it. Two more here, Arthur Motes. Uh, What do you think? What do you think? No, I think it's the Rams for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's the Rams for sure. McVay, you got the quarterback on the big money deal. You got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. You've got more pressure. I think so. Yeah, there's the Chargers have... More, I think, difference to prove in just the sense that, like, they've got things going in the right direction. Yeah. Anthony Lynn is the right guy. Their rebuild plan here, they're not even rebuilding. They're kind of trying to retool on the fly with the yeah. quarterback situation. But the Rams, because yeah, people are still expecting the Chargers, them to win double, nine games, ten yeah. games. And the thing with the Chargers, they do have a very complete roster. They do. It's just the, just quarterback the quarterback right now because the transition on the fly. Mm-hmm. But I could see, like I said, I could see a similar situation what happened in Cleveland in terms of Tyrod yep. early yep. on, and then you make the switch to the rookie. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, that's not taking anything away from Tyrod, but you know, you draft a quarterback in the first round, you expect him to play Absolutely. in year one. Like, that's just how it goes. That's the way she goes in the NFL in 2020. But, uh, the thing I do find interesting is this with the Rams, they have to be the only team that can trade away. A running back who you can debate top three when healthy, but you trade him away and the expectation for that season doesn't change at yeah. all. Like it's kind of sad of what we've come to expect yeah. from Todd Gurley over yeah. the last year, honestly, in that regard. I mean, he went from being the all world running back, got the mega deal mm-hmm. to all right, he's traded An away. And yeah. yeah, it doesn't even matter. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's the life cycle at that position, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, look where we were two, three years ago with Gurley and, and yeah. Lev Bell, and then look where we are now as it Very relates true. to those guys. Even though I'm more confident in L. Bell bouncing me too. back oh, versus me too, for Gurley. Sure. Me, me too, for sure. Yeah. Mote! Two teams in the NFC that Uh-oh. both fancy themselves Super Bowl contenders. Two teams in the NFC that you and I, when we did either last week or the week before when we ranked our top ten rosters in the NFL, we had both of these teams in the top five. Two teams that have fallen short in the postseason over the last few years. But got a great coach on one of these teams that you love. Arthur Motes, who's got more to prove in 2020? The New Orleans Saints or your Dallas Cowboys? Mm. Oh, baby, more that's a prove? good one. That's a good one. Oh, you uh, like that one. Oh, you like that one. See, this is good because I think from a pure competition standpoint, it's the Saints. But when we talk about from a perception standpoint, it's Dallas all day. Yeah, you got to make the playoffs and win yeah, a playoff Yeah, because game. it's Dallas. We know just the hype around them. Whereas with the Saints, the Saints can dominate the regular season like they like always they do. And they can get bounced in the divisional round like they've done. And I don't think anybody would point the finger at Peyton. I mean, outside of you, nobody's going to really get on Peyton or on Drew Brees like well, that. Well, I know, because nobody gets on those two. They've let where, them skate whereas, by the last five years. Whereas with the Cowboys, 
let's be real. The Cowboys don't make the playoffs this year. People are talking about oh, Mike McCarthy. Yeah. If the Cowboys make the playoffs and have a bad game, they're getting on Mike McCarthy. Or Dak. Or, yeah, yeah. Like, that's just how it goes. Whereas with the, the, the Saints, yeah. I mean, you think about just the past couple of years when they lost in the NFC Championship game, it was, oh, man. Pass that, interference. It, it, well, no, no, no. Uh, excuse me. The year before that, when they lost in the divisional round, the Minnesota Miracle. The Minnesota Miracle. It was, well, man, that was on the defense. That was on that guy who was point shaving. We give him a pass. Then the following then it was in the, the championship refs. game, it was on the refs, the pass interference. So, Last year it was overtime. Yeah. Anything can happen in yeah. overtime. So, so the expectation around huh. them is, even though they're going to be successful, and you know that they're contenders, without a doubt, they're contenders. For sure. They still seem to be able to get a pass on some of those issues. And I think because of the style of which they've lost too. It wasn't as if you saw them come out and have like a bad performance on either offense or defense. Right. Or they just went 8-8 eight and eight and missed right. the playoffs like so, Dallas so I did think, last year. Right, so I think that's the bigger reason why they don't receive that type of criticism. You hardly ever see them just drop off the cliff. Right. They're either just good or they are really good. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been able to capitalize late in the postseason. Right. Whereas with the Cowboys, man, because they I mean, they they're so rocky. Some years they look really they good. They win thirteen games one year, yeah, then they and win then, eight games the next like, year. Like that's yeah. that's a big swing. Yeah. And when you talk about all the media attention that they have, I mean, we talk about all the time. They are always on TV. They are always on the commercials. Mm-hmm. They're and even always more so now about, with like, the quarterback who's on the tag and the new yeah. head coach. Yeah. So I think because of that. Even though, for me as an athlete, understanding the purity of the game and the, the the statistical element of winning, even though all those signs point to New Orleans, I'm going to say Dallas because of the media attention that comes with yeah. them, man. It's it's the, the, equi- the, the equivalent of a guy that has all the potential in the world, but he's super quiet. So even if he doesn't live <laughs> up to it, we're not going to bash you versus the guy that's really good, but he talks a $100 game. He's out here beating his chest. Hey, man, I'm that dude. Yep. So you, they, if you don't live <laughs> up to it, we're going to get on you so much more. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm with you. Like, if the Saints don't make it back to another Super Bowl, right, in this, this, this Breeze and Sean Payton era, if they don't make it back to another Super Bowl this year or next year, yeah, people will say, oh, man, you know, they never made it back to another one, but they were still, I mean, they won double-digit games every year. They won playoff games. They won the division. People will point to, oh, they got robbed against the Rams with that pass interference call. Whereas with the Cowboys, if you have another 8-8 eight and eight type season, especially in that division, which mm-hmm. right or wrong people perceive is really weak, that division, dude, yeah, you're right. I mean, they will get, if the Saints go to the playoffs and go one and done versus the Cowboys go 8-8 eight and eight and don't make the playoffs or 7-9 mm-hmm. and nine and don't make the playoffs, the Cowboys will get lambasted much more than the Saints Absolutely. will for, for losing in the divisional round as opposed to not making the playoffs. A, a lot of that stuff, those outside factors play into it, but I'm with you. I think both teams in their own locker rooms think that they have a lot to prove this year. Yeah, and, and they do. They both do. teams do. It's just... Like I said, one because From they the beat their chest, perspective. And, and it's a lot more. Look at us. I think back to Rex Ryan's Jets team. Great example. Like great example. They were just really good. Hey, everybody, come see how good we look. Right. Whereas you think about the Patriots, who at the time you could debate had the better team. They weren't talking a lot. So even if they didn't make it to the Super Bowl that year, or they got upset, it wasn't gonna be talked about as much as or viewed as a failure as with the Jets because they talk so much and, and cameras on me check us out yeah. that and that's the whole thing man you, what they say you need to uh, un- undersell and overperform exactly like, 
that's undersell and over deliver. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the thing, man. That that some teams do, but Dallas, because of how they're run with Jerry Jones, it's the opposite. Yes, it is. Yes, I mean we hardly is. ever hear the Saints. I mean the Saints are known more for complaining about them being wronged than you hearing them being out talking a whole bunch of smack about yo right. we're this we're that. Check right. it. I mean outside of Cameron Jordan, who really talks smack? I mean Drew Brees. The only time he got in it for controversy was because of what happened this <laughs> offseason. Other than that, he's the humble guy. Remember, right? Sean Payton, you hardly ever see him show emotion yeah, and get he hyped talk like, much. Yeah. Whereas, like with Coach Tomlin, like, you see him beat on his chest sometimes and, and get emotion and stuff like mm-hmm. you don't see that with Payton. So I think that plays into yeah. all of that. That's a good call. That's a good call. One more to go here, Arthur Motes, and it involves the Steelers. Oh, and we will do that on the other side as we wrap up the show with your tweets as well. Last chance to get them in at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. Wrap up the show on the other side. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Look at my king, all dressed in red. I go, I go one day. I bet you five dollars he'll kill you dead. Wrapping up the show as we always do with your tweets. But first, one more Arthur Motes. One more, more to prove conversation here ahead of the 2020 season. Uh, Last one, Arthur Motes. Who's got more to prove in 2020? The Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens? Hmm. Ooh, I'm coming correct today, Mozi. I tell you what. Steelers or the Ravens. I mean, because both teams have stuff to prove for various reasons. I will lean slightly, and this is very slightly, towards (laughs) Baltimore because of them talking about they have the most complete roster in football. I mean, we talked about we ranked their rosters. They were one of the top three teams on both of our lists. They have the reigning MVP as well, but because they got beaten the uh, in the divisional round last year by the Titans, the season came off as underwhelming, right? And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Harbaugh he was the coach of the year, correct? Correct. Yeah. So when you when you factor in both of those elements, having the coach, you're having the MVP, and you're bringing back 90 percent of your roster, you expect them to win in the playoffs. Whereas with the Steelers, we know the expectation in Pittsburgh. But from a national standpoint, because of the question marks surrounding Ben, even though we feel that he's healthy because we haven't had an opportunity to see him in an OTA setting, we haven't had an opportunity to see him in a preseason setting, those questions are still going to be lingering all year long. And if he plays great, then it'll go away. But if he plays bad, that's going to kind of be the thing surrounding it or the excuse that's already built in for that. Whereas with the Ravens, they don't have that built-in excuse. They're healthy. They have everybody coming back. They they upgraded at some positions. So I think because of those things, the expectation for them was a lot higher this year because they have to have postseason success. 
like I said, outside of Pittsburgh, I mean, we know in Pittsburgh we say Super Bowl or bust, but from a national standpoint, the Steelers could make the playoffs this year and lose in the divisional round or even in the wild card round, and it's still going to be viewed as a major upgrade because of what happened the past year and the fact they haven't been in the playoffs the past, what, three years now. So I think that's the big thing surrounding the Pittsburgh Steelers and why the expectation will be lower compared to a Ravens organization. I think from what, the, well, I'm gonna say, what say you, good I fella? I think from the national spec perspective, you're correct. Uh, I don't. Where it becomes tricky with me, if you're talking the local perspective, is, and I think you know, it's funny. All these things are cyclical. Like you got you and I talk about the we hit on certain things like every few weeks. Mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Let's say the Ravens have another good season, right? They don't go 14-2, but they go 12-4. and They Correct. go 13-3. and They win the division. They're a one or two seed in the AFC. They lose in the first round of the playoffs. You know, the, the wow, if they don't get the, you know, the seed now with only one. Yeah. Let's, let's say the Chiefs get the, get the one seed, okay? Ravens lose either in the wild card round or in the divisional round. They're either one and done or they win a playoff game and they're done, but they don't make it to the AFC championship game. Is there going to be a ton of calls in Baltimore? Oh, we got to get rid of Harbaugh. We got to replace Lamar Jackson. I don't think so. Whereas if the Steelers go 8 and 8 again this season and don't make the playoffs for what the third straight year, mm-hmm. I think there will be some people who start to say, "All right, you know what? It's been a great era here in Pittsburgh. We've gone decades without a losing season. We went to three Super Bowls. We won two of them. We won all kinds of divisions, AFC Championship games." But the quarterback's 40 years old. You know, maybe it's it's time to start turning that page to the next chapter. I don't know if the Ravens have another, and again, I'm using air quotes here, disappointing season from the national perspective. I don't know how much call for change there is amongst the Baltimore fan base. The Steelers have another disappointing season. I think there might be some call for change amongst the fan, boy, fan base. That's the difference to me. I mean, but technically they call for I mean, you're every right. year in Pittsburgh. Right. That's why I'm like, <laughs> I don't really think that that really holds the same amount of weight because they've done it so much. It's kind of like crying wolf. You cry wolf so much <laughs> that when you really want it, it's too late now. We don't believe you. So I think that is the situation surrounding the Steelers in terms of if they have a down season. People are going to call for it regardless. I mean, if Mike Tomlin could go to the AFC Championship game this year, if he loses, they're going to call for it. I saw it happen when we went to the AFC Championship game and it's lost true. to the Patriots. They were calling for it. So I don't think that's going to change. Unless he wins a Super Bowl, I don't see them saying that, hey, we're calling. We're not going to call for his job. That's just how it goes. That's true. But in Baltimore, I think even though they won't call for Harbaugh's job, they will face a ton more scrutiny if they That's do not true. win a playoff game, that the, Steel- the Steelers can not make the playoffs or can go in the playoffs and be one and done. And like I said, nationally, it's going to be viewed differently. Even within the organization, it's going to be viewed differently. The fans, like I said, the fans are going to have their mind made up regardless. We saw even last year when they were going between Duck and Mason, they were talking about Fire <laughs> Coast T. Then when he gets in the over 500 plus two games, then it's, oh, he should be coach of the year. Then they don't make the playoffs, but finish 8 and 8, oh, Fire Coach T yeah. again. So, from a fan standpoint, you take it with a grain of salt because yeah, they're fanaticals. That's what fans are short for. Right. But overall, people appreciate what he's doing. People appreciate what Coach Tom has been able to accomplish, especially last year. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Harbaugh, that's not going to be the case. That's true. With Harbaugh, is going to be it, it, what Harbaugh is walking into now is what Coach Tomlin dealt with between 14 and 18, where you have the Killer B era, and the expectation is for you not only to win but to dominate. 
that's a different level of expectation mm-hmm. that honestly when is Harbaugh really had to face that right where he's this coming year, into it maybe. right this is probably the first time throughout his tenure there because typically you have the great defense but you knew ah well Flacco is hit or miss now that's not a case anymore now you're it's saying true. hey you have all the goods there is no excuse you're supposed to win big now and and get a ring like you got all the, you got all the ingredients right. put the recipe together right that's yeah. different whereas I think with Coach Tomlin in Pittsburgh it kind of has flipped a little bit because of Ben coming back from the injury right so now you're kind of like all maybe right. the expectations were always through the roof yeah whereas now maybe actually they're tampered yeah a little because bit you're like well usual. It, it, do you really expect Ben to be Ben especially with this offseason to being how it was especially with the uncertainties of him coming back from the elbow injury. Yeah. Whereas with Lamar, that's not the case. Lamar is saying, hey, boy, you, you it's time. You were the MVP last year. It's time to show what you could do it's this true. year as well. It's true. All right, let's get to the tweets here. Just two of them today before we get out of here, Motsi. Harry says, maybe Sean McVay got to the Super Bowl with Jeff Fisher's players. Oh, man. With the crying face. Ah, we see what you did there, Harry. Hey, we see what you that, did that, there. That definitely was it. You know how that goes, man. <laughs> Any time a coach takes over and has success – he only did it because the other guy. <laughs> and then uh, Don Juan, he's got beef with me. He says, with sports back, he said, you forgot to do Show Me the Money on Friday. I was waiting Ooh. for it. He talked. He said, I teased it on Thursday. What happened to that? You know what, Don Juan? You're right. All right. Ooh. little transparency here. During one of the commercial breaks on Friday, Moats and I talked about doing uh, Show Me the Money. We did. But it was just all bas- or baseball. Baseball, yeah. It was like we're not and doing I that. And I just, that doesn't tickle my fancy. Listen. But I promise you. We will have Show Me the Money this Friday. It's uh-huh. back. We got uh-huh. basketball. We got hockey. It's back, baby. Don Juan, I'm going to just tell you like this, man. <laughs> Me betting on baseball is like the equivalent of somebody betting on preseason games. Like, you got to be real <laughs> degen to bet baseball. That's just how I look at it, man. Yes. Like, you, you know when bets baseball, baby? If you betting baseball, you might really got an addiction, man. <laughs> so yeah, but I love it. Don Juan keeping us on our toes. But, but shout out the baseball for all you baseball lovers out there. We'll do a little. We'll do a little. Show me the money. Uh, and if y'all know any Friday. parlays, let me know, man. Uh, talk about parlay. That's hey, the only parlay. parlay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who tweeted in. We appreciate the participation. Good stuff today on the program. We'll be back tomorrow, Arthur Motes, for more hijinks and more mm-hmm. banter. Mm-hmm. So you know when to find us. It's high noon. And as always, on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.